Welcome to another edition of the College Faith Podcast, sponsored by Global Scholars. This is Stan Wallace, your host, and my guest today is Dr. Martine Udiud, Academic Dean of Baki Graduate University. She's just written a book entitled Research as Worship in the Company of God, and I thought it would be good for us to talk about how, as a student, you can do your research for term papers, not only to get a good grade, but as an act of worship. So, Martine, welcome to the show. Hello, Stan. It's a pleasure to be with you. So good to be with you as well. I wanted to have you on the show today to talk about research. It's an important part of a student's life. It's very often a large part of a student's life. And yeah. often it's just seen as, as sort of a necessary evil, something that, you know, I've just got to get this paper done. But you've got an entirely different perspective on research, something to actually be enjoyed and as an act of worship, mm -hmm. uh, which comes out in the book you just published, Research as Worship in the Company of God. So while your book's geared toward those writing PhD dissertations or professors doing scholarly research, I think there's much in your book that's helpful for undergraduate students as they do research papers. So I'd, I'd like to talk about that today. And uh, I'd like to get started by just asking, how did you get interested in this topic in the first place? Well, actually, um, I've been teaching uh, research methodologies um, at masters and, and, uh, and doctoral programs. And I realized that we are using lots of material from non-Christian sources, which is fine with me. But the courses are taught in a very secular, lacking faith, integrated perspectives. Mm. And um, I really wanted, since I'm working with a, a Christian uh, institution, I've really wanted to see how to integrate faith in our research classes. Mm. And that's how it started. And I've been thinking about it for several years, actually. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I know you have, right? So what's your thesis? What's your main takeaway, the point that students should have in mind? Well, the, it can be summarized by God is a God of research. That's something that's not taught anywhere or hardly taught anywhere. I strongly believe that God is actively listening into, looking into gathering data of what's happening here on earth and in the whole universe that he's maintaining by the power of his word. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It reminds me of Proverbs 25, 2. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 But I, li I like the way the message says it even better. The message says, uh, translates that God delights in concealing things. Scientists delight in discovering things. Oh, I've never heard this version. <laughs> yeah. I mean, scientists in the broad sense, all yeah, all who yeah, study yeah, God's right. creation. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what do you think is most helpful in this book as we talk about its relevance to undergraduate students? You know, again, I said you aimed it at doctoral students and yeah. faculty, but, but how can this really be helpful to the undergraduate students who have to do term papers each semester in their classes? Actually, I, th I think it shows to those students uh, that they're not alone with doing their research term papers or whatever, um, mm. but that, that they can walk hand in hand with God in the research that they, they are called to do. I hope it teaches them also that there's not a dichotomy between the world of science or of university or of research yeah, right. and the world of faith. 
like we have a tendency to think at least in our cultures right it, it so much reaffirms the cultural mandate of genesis 128 right that uh, god calls all of us to be involved in creating culture and and yep. both identifying and promoting what's good true and beautiful yeah and do it with him and do it with him right a main thesis of your book yeah so let me circle back then. Uh, that's clear how doctoral students doing a PhD or faculty are doing this with them in the sense of they're doing news research, they're identifying undiscovered truths of God's creation and 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 declaring that to others and in, in a sense declaring his glory, maybe mm-hmm. offering new solutions for human problems caused by sin. But undergrad students tend not to be doing that type of research. They're just learning what others have discovered and, and and summarizing those things. So how does doing God's work, quote unquote, in research apply then to the undergraduate student more directly? It's a very good question. My own son actually is entering 11th grade and having to grapple with problems and issues as well. I think uh, it's very important for students at that age to understand that God is in every single problem that they have to research, even if they don't have to bring a solution necessarily. Mm. But God has been active uh, already through men and women who have not necessarily known him, but he has been active already in the world (laughs) before them Mm -hmm. and uh, has shown his glory. And they may not express it this way in secular universities, but as they do their research, they um, they can see how God has already put people in places to bring historical elements together or to bring philosophical elements together or to move the cultures um, at, at different stages. That's one part. Besides just working with the Lord when you write your paper and say, Lord, I don't know how to figure this out. <laughs> Can you help me? And... Uh, and I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit also to to help writing a paper. Mm-hmm. I've experienced it myself, and uh, I think uh, at that level already, uh, students can can experience that. So there's these two parts, I think. Oh, that's really helpful. On page 18, you make an interesting observation. You suggest that Africans have what you call a competitive edge in integrating research in one's spiritual life. Now, why is that, do you think? You, you've got many years experience teaching in Africa. You you see things that the rest of us don't see. What what leads you to say that? Well, in the African traditional worldview, uh, spirituality is not distinct from the rest of our, uh, their lives. In our Western cultures, we uh, since... Uh, Plato and the Greek philosophers, we have made a dichotomy between spiritual life, spirituality, and um, the rest of scientific research, as we can call it, or even the rest of our lives. But in the African traditional mindset, everything is integrated. I mean, things happening in nature, things happening in communities are all integrated with spiritual powers, etc. So it's easier for an African student to understand that God is with them when they do research and Mm. is acting actually through the different elements of the topic of their research. Whereas for Westerners, it might be more difficult because they're not used as much to having their faith penetrating every single realm of their lives. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I really see that having studied Greek philosophy quite a bit, see that in uh, the whole view of Plato's universe where the spirit was good and holy and just and everything material was corrupt and evil yeah. and so yeah. this this real deep distinction between the two and yeah how that's kind of reverberated throughout the centuries for me living in france where you have a very clear distinct and non-bridgeable separation between the states and the church and the mm. state and faith and especially in schools now where the republic is the religion, it's even more blatant, I, I would say, than in some U.S. contexts. Interesting. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. As a footnote, I appreciate the work Aristotle did to try to respond to that some way and bring together the mm -hmm. unity of the spiritual and the material, quote-unquote. But uh, yeah. yeah, I certainly think the Platonic impulse has, has carried the day in a lot of places in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So what can we learn from our African brothers and sisters in this? Well, I learned that spirituality is part of who we are. <laughs> and um, we are called to a living relationship with God and uh, with uh, with the Holy Spirit, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, it's very important not to sever this relationship when we are dealing with certain topics in life. Mm -hmm. It makes me think of Howard Gardner and his multiple intelligences, and he has he has added the spiritual intelligence. He has made it possible for non-Christians even to understand in a secular global environment that we need spirituality. Mm -hmm. That understanding has not translated into some of our European countries yet. <laughs> right, right. There are interesting inroads. Interestingly enough, I just had a conversation in my other podcast, Thinking Christianly, about the work of Edmund Husserl, mm -hmm. who argued that there are other ways to know than just empirical, scientific, third-person knowing, namely mm -hmm. being aware of our inner lives and would involve and include how the Spirit might be speaking to us yeah. as a valid mm -hmm. way of knowing truth and mm -hmm. discerning direction and those type of things. Mm -hmm. So there there are inroads, but uh, he's he's one of the minority, certainly. I can I can see that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, throughout the book, you use as the main metaphor for research the tabernacle to uh, unpack the points where our research can be an act of worship. And I'm wondering why you chose that metaphor. It's a good one, but what what led you to choose the tabernacle as your main metaphor? Well, I've been praying a lot about that and ask for the, some insight from the Lord. And this goes back to 40 some years ago when I first went to Africa and I was um, actually teaching Bible to illiterate women in the Eastern Congo. Mm. And my concern and my burden was to have them understand who God is compared to the animistic traditions. Mm. And they were not able uh, to read the Bible. They don't necessarily have time to go to Bible studies because of their household work that they had to do. So I really reflected at that time, wondering how can we make it visible, make it tangible for these women who do not think abstractly? And how do we teach them about God and who God is? Mm-hmm. And finally, uh, it dawned on me to use the the imagery of the tabernacle. And actually, we made with the women a model of the tabernacle with bamboo leaves and whatever other things we could find. Ah. 
And uh, we traveled and we walked because we went to villages by foot usually. Uh, we walked with this model and then we had meetings and we discussed the sacrifices. We discussed the different parts of the tabernacle. They really gained a, a very new and very tangible appreciation of who God is because they were able to look at this model and then compare it with their lives and uh, how they are doing things and how they perceive who God is uh, through the comparison element. Mm -hmm. And as I was thinking and praying about the topic, I wanted to be not abstract and theoretical uh, for our non-Western uh, audience as well. So I thought that an imagery like the tabernacle would be a common foundation to both African scientists or African students, because I, I've, I'm working with them a lot. That is really interesting. And it leads then, as you unpack the different elements of the tabernacle, into so many really helpful insights into how research is worship. So, for instance, uh, early on in page 20, you observe that worship starts before the work of research begins mm -hmm. through your observation of the work in the tabernacle. And so unpack that for us and how would that apply to undergrads who are doing research for term papers, for instance? Yes, what I'm say, uh, trying to say on, on that page is that um, we don't do just research to go through the hoops to get something. Christian students shouldn't well, I'm hoping, <laughs> are we just going to do them to have a good grade? Or are we going to do those papers to uh, and think about how can we demonstrate or can we be a witness to God's glory through these papers? Mm -hmm. And bringing a, a young adult to that kind of a thinking takes a while <laughs> and uh, shows also a little bit of maturity as um as they reflect on their own uh, papers and research. Sure. And tying it into the practices within the tabernacle really helps to see that yeah, any work we do has this preparation phase, this prayerful approach, this mentality of why am I doing this? It's to the glory of God and I need to be prepared to do it in the right way. All those things really come out in the book well, I think. Yeah, and plagiarism issue is solved with that one. <laughs> it sure is. Yeah, plagiarism and so many other ethical issues. And chat GPT, it was not, it was didn't exist at that time when I wrote the book, but uh, right, uh, that's what it solved as well. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when you point that out on uh, page forty nine, you you write, in our particular research journey, we should emphasize how much the integrity that we display in our research is indeed a reflection of the purity of Christ. Mm -hmm. It's a display of God's holiness. Yeah. And consequently, our research will be guided by Christ's purity, integrity, and holiness. And that's when you're talking about the, the cleansing rituals in the, in the tabernacle, I believe. That raised for me all type of questions of, wow, I, I know that as an undergrad, I faced all of those challenges you mentioned, plagiarism and so on and so forth. But now there's the challenges with AI. Say more about that and how, how students might navigate some of those challenges. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to plug in a few questions in AI and then get some answers and just copy and paste them in your assignment. Mm -hmm. Number one, uh, seriously, AI is not to be trusted uh, for the information it provides because 
it's just unchecked unaccounted for information and uh, you cannot even uh, reference it in your work right but i think there's more depth uh, in the work that the lord calls us to do than just uh, pulling some uh, some information together there's more critical thinking and integration of your own faith into how you think that chat gpt will not be able to do right right it can be used as as a research tool like wikipedia or some other just give us some ideas but every single thing has to be checked on chatgpt mm -hmm, exactly well and it's just a great uh example of what it means to do your work heartily as under the lord you know, as colossians 3 23 says because exactly. yeah you might be doing your work by having a chat gpt output but it's not a heartily approach to your work no. yeah not really understanding the ideas and making them your own which is the point of research right yeah yeah well, i'll tell you another temptation i know that i always struggle with in research i think we all do and that is the temptation to for lack of a better word i'll use the technical term isogeet right in other words just to read into the data what i wanted to say not exegete yeah. get out of the data what it actually says and I, again, I think that's part of research is to is to follow the data where it leads, not where you want it to lead. Yeah. And so I think this is a good reminder that you no know, part of integrity is mm -hmm. having a sense that all truth is God's truth, no matter whether we understand how it all fits together or not. Uh, research is to find that and to communicate that well. Yeah. Uh, and let it lead us, not us lead it. Definitely. And we can we can come to some conclusions or discover a few things when you do research that you did not expect to find. Mm -hmm. I'm sure when the people were bringing sacrifices to the priests in in the old times, maybe they expected their animal to be flawless, and the priest said, "Not working this one." <laughs> right. And it it does take a lot of self discipline, I believe to uh, to really be open to finding things that we don't expect and work with them and deal with them mm -hmm. rather than just dismissing it because it's not part of my worldview it's not part of the teaching that i've received i mean we are dealing in our days and times with very serious questions sometimes that are not necessarily dealt with within our church communities and how much are we willing to deal with as students Right. I mean, and and my son next year in in philosophy or ethics, he will have to deal with all the uh, marriage issues, related issues. And in France, you have like the marriage, you have Pax, which is kind of a legal agreement, but it's not quite a marriage. And you have another status, another one. Ah. And where is the official marriage? <laughs> And where, what does God think about marriage in all these terms? Right. And there's no teaching in the church. The church is not really grappling in, uh, and my son is probably not hearing in the church what he should be hearing about the subject. Mm. How is a student like that going to, to be able to be open enough, honest enough to acknowledge maybe the official legal marriage is not the only form of marriage? Yeah, interesting. We will return to the show in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. Guests on the College Faith Podcast often discuss how important professors are in the lives of students during these impressionable years. Christian professors are examples to both non-Christian and Christian students that a person can be educated and still follow Christ. And 
they can have a lifelong influence as mentors. Please consider helping equip Christian professors to make a difference on a campus near you and worldwide. To learn more, please visit www.global-scholars.org. Please also check out the other podcast Stan and Dr. J.P. Moreland do together, Thinking Christianly. Whereas this College Faith podcast focuses more on the practical questions of thriving during the college years, the Thinking Christianly podcast is all about the ideas that shape the university, students, our broader culture, and the world. Visit thinkingchristianly.org or download episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And now back to College Faith. You're raising a underlying tension, I think, for the Christian student in research per se, in that on the one hand, as we've just said, we need to be open to new ideas and for the data that we find in our research to lead us perhaps to different conclusions than we initially had. On the other hand, uh, you make the point well in the book, the value of of one's worldview that you bring into your work and Mm -hmm. things you already know. Perhaps biblically, yeah. that ought to inform your work. In fact, you use Nehemiah as an example mm-hmm. here, and I love it because it illustrates so well. Let me let me quote what you wrote. Uh, you say, "To move to Jerusalem, Nehemiah had to be clear about who he was mm-hmm. and about his identity as a Jewish immigrant in Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. He had to understand his own worldview and to assess his people's worldview." Mm-hmm. He had to be extremely clear about his non-negotiable personal values and life commitments as he assessed all aspects of the construction work, including dealing with power, sharing, and opposition. Mm -hmm. So there's so much in there, but uh, say a little bit more about the importance of what we bring in terms of the Christian worldview to the research, but how to balance that with being open to new ideas that maybe weren't what we thought we would find as we do our research. Yeah, and that's there's no fast, easy rule on that one. And that's where the Holy Spirit uh, guides us, and that's where we grow also and mature uh, little by little. And what I think and believe today is probably not what I believed when I was 20. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important that we understand the grace that the Lord has while he acknowledges our limitations also. And he does not put us down if we don't think quite as well as he does in simple terms. Sure. <laughs> because each of us has specific worldviews, and especially at the, for young people, they've been formed with the media but and the church community and the family community, and all of this is meshed together, and sometimes the, <laughs> the product is not easy to to clarify. Right. And it it is, I think, the young people nowadays probably a bit more difficult time to to find out who they are as Christian um, disciples mm-hmm. with everything they have to deal with. And it might take more time for them to clarify who they are as uh, followers of Christ. Mm-hmm. There's lots of room for growth. There's lots of room for uh, development, for humility also. Mm-hmm to realize that what I'm saying or thinking of, that um, it's not final, it's a process rather than the final product. Right. That's helpful. Now let me push a little more into that because you do write, there are some non-negotiable values. Mm-hmm. What might those be for the Christian student? Yeah, for a Christian student. Displaying the fruit of the spirit 
which is love and peace and joy. And all these qualities developed in uh, Galatians is probably a non-negotiable. Some of the principles that we find in false teachings are non-negotiable. I mean, we have to live by faith and not only by by what we see. Mm. These are just some examples. Uh, it's important to to understand who God is. God God is a God of truth, but He's a God of love. And I think when I was young, I and maybe also when young people have a harder time understanding that and how to marry that together. Mm. Well, and ultimately to maybe summarize those non-negotiables or those things that are crystal clear in Scripture. You know, love your neighbor, yeah. speak truth, yeah. honor God. I mean, that's what the Lord said, the blessings of Matthew 5. Yes, yes. And it's very interesting. I've done this a few times to go through and read Matthew 5 through 7, thinking about research in particular. And you do this in your book a few places as well. It's really interesting to sort of read it in that lens and see what that Mm -hmm. might mean for how we approach a term paper or other research project. Yeah, definitely. Now, part of that... Uh, again, tied into the model of scripture that you draw out very well is the importance of community in this process, because like everything in our lives, it's done better when we're in community with others. And you write on page 33, I highly encourage researchers, let's just say undergrad students here, to create a personal learning community of friends who will not only support them in their research and learning, but who will also intercede for their families, bringing them before God in prayer. So now that's somewhat easier, it seems, for grad students and faculty to form those type of communities that are already in in the academic guild, for instance, and so on and so forth. But how can undergrads form such a learning community around their areas of research? That's a very good question. And it's a question that's also um, an issue that's really um, dear to my heart. Uh, especially in our Western worldviews where uh, we focus so much on individual achievement Mm -hmm. and where community is really uh, relegated to um, the hintergrund, as we say. Um, I believe that God has put us and put every single person in community and that we are going to thrive better when we are together. And for undergrad students, I would highly recommend that they meet and identify in the networks some other Christian students of their age, of their similar focus, and that they bond together and develop small accountability groups. And I know uh, IFES is helping a lot with that. Right. So in in the U.S., that's InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. IFES is the global group. Okay. So find other believers who are also undergraduate students, regardless of their major. Yes. That you can have community with. Okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. How about how about within their their majors? How might they find other believers there to be in community with? In church, I'm sure that there are youth groups and young adult groups where they could uh, get some help. The pastors or community leaders can help them identify some some of these other students in their domain, but in other universities. I still believe at that age that accepting to be mentored by a mentor uh, would probably be helpful. So to have somebody or two, three people to bounce off questions and issues with would probably be helpful. Sure. 
Well, and, you know, as you're in class, often you notice there's another student who's maybe asking questions that belie a Christian commitment or at least understanding of biblical truth that you might seek out after class. And the the Lord will will show you. I mean, if you ask him, who can this accountability group look like uh, uh, and who can be part of this accountability group? Sure. And there are also student memberships available in a number of the Christian professional societies in different disciplines, where even as an undergrad, you can join the, say, the American Scientific Affiliation, which is the group of those in the hard sciences that are uh, are committed followers of Christ. And so students could find, perhaps in their field, a Christian professional society that uh, could be helpful. Yeah, definitely. Well, how about especially uh, for you, somebody who has worked more uh, with the graduate students and faculty, how can students really benefit from building relationships with their TAs, with their professors, with others who are uh, maybe grad students in their field, but but uh, are are also believers? How how can that be part of their community? You have always this out of the school relationships that are building mm. if there's a party or a, a gathering yeah things are happening so just look for and take advantage of opportunities outside the classroom to meet christian professors or grad students in your field and god might use those opportunities to develop these type of mentoring relationships yeah okay good something else that you do in the book that's very interesting is on page 59 you Talk about the value of selecting the correct research approach or research process. And you mm-hmm. have a, a a nice schematic that lays out a number of different research approaches. Mm-hmm. Do you think that applies to undergrad term papers or just research that grad students and faculty might be doing? And if so, how so? Because it's very detailed. You give a lot of different approaches that are out there. <laughs> yeah, and there's it's not all of the approaches. There's many more. I think at least the undergrad student can use the principle of it. That means that there's different levels in research or different steps in research. Mm-hmm. You have the the philosophical approach that you want to take to research, and then there's the practical ways of going about research. Okay. Depending at, uh, on the level of the student, it goes more in depth or less in depth. But uh, there needs to be an organizational and a framework. If the students in the undergrad student can understand that, that uh, research needs to be organized. I mean, we have examples in the Bible. We have examples in, in real life mm-hmm. that not being organized is not helpful. And some organizational approach to research is very important. Yeah. And on page 85, you've got a checklist for actually writing a dissertation that's very detailed and really yeah. helpful. Uh, wish I would have had that when I wrote mine. Um, but might that be helpful in a scaled down way for the undergrad who's writing a term paper? I think so. I mean, for instance, just requiring uh, a student to write an introduction and an introductory uh, sentence in each part of the research paper, it's very helpful, I think. Um, These little elements um, should have been um, mastered at the undergrad level, but I see it often missing. Mm. And I'm seeing also this when I'm supervising dissertations, I I almost for every student, you know, maybe one out of two, I have to remind them to write transitional paragraphs or transitional sentences. 
uh, it's apparently it's not a given. Mm. It shows also that you need to go step by step and check things off and have a discipline mm-hmm. in writing so that you communicate better. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you use the word discipline in talking about uh, the research paper because I've been thinking as we talk, you know, I've had other guests on this show who've talked about spiritual disciplines. Uh, in other words, practices that shape our soul in uh, love of God and others. Yes. And so one of the disciplines is study that is often referred to when people make up lists of different disciplines, and rightly so. What are other spiritual disciplines beyond study that help us in our study and our research? One of these disciplines is keeping a personal journal and being self-reflective because that helps you to bring your thoughts on the paper. Mm. When you write and do research, whether at undergrad or undergrad level, you don't only do research when you're in front of your computer, but you do research while you're thinking. Mm-hmm. And maybe I don't write anything today on this paper, but I have had some thoughts at the end of the day. I better write them down because in two days, maybe I've forgotten. I don't know oh, yeah. you, but I... Sure. <laughs> So, and also when you write and review what you have written, you understand also the trend of thoughts and where God Mm -hmm. has led you and found out that you didn't expect. I mean, it gives you a trace and putting things into words that are actually written. um, You separate your thoughts uh, and put them out there. You create actually thinking in writing and uh, that's very helpful as well. Mm. And I'm doing that myself. And I've certainly found that helpful. And, you know, even uh, in here, the 21st century, I find it's even easier to have an app on my phone where I can just do a quick voice note of a thought. And uh, and then later I can, you know, put them into written form, but at least I capture it in the moment. Yeah. And that's so important. Uh, and we we are blessed to have that technology right now. Yeah, right. Yeah. I did make my wife a bit upset once I was working on a research paper and I literally dreamt a solution to a problem I was working on and woke up and and recorded that and uh, that woke her up and she wasn't real happy okay. about me talking. She thought I was talking in my sleep, but I wasn't, but uh, it, was, it did not go well. <laughs> so uh, the students should be advised if they're married <laughs> students, that might not be their best option, but <laughs> that notwithstanding, voice recorders are really helpful. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. You touched on another spiritual discipline on page 77 uh, that's important, and that's Sabbath keeping. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that and whether it's easier or harder in your view for undergrads than, say, grad students or faculty in the academic world. I find that they have a hard time to disconnect from screens Mm -hmm. for a few hours, let alone for a full day. And they get thoughts all the time. Their minds are uh, are fed with thoughts all the time. And I wonder how much you can focus if your uh, your mind is receives so many information of about so many subjects all the time that you didn't necessarily want or need or have to face right now. So giving your mind a little bit of rest and just focusing (laughs) on the Lord and on his word, even if it's for a few hours without doing snapshot or whatever else, um, I think that would probably be helpful. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I do know uh, folks who've 
done that and it's been very helpful. One thing that I know a number of people have done is to find mm-hmm. their Sabbath as Saturday evening to Sunday evening, sundown, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and that still gives them time Sunday night to prepare for the exam on Monday or other things going on as the week starts. Because mm-hmm. that's sometimes a, a challenge is, well, if I'm not working Sunday night, I'm <laughs> slammed by the time Monday morning hits. Yeah. So sometimes shifting it back a little bit helps. But I mean, it's just the principle of taking regularly each week some time where you say, hey, it's not all about me. Ultimately, God's called me to have a season of rest after every six days of work, and and I'm going to be faithful to that. Yeah, and we need each of us has a different system and a different world right. that we are integrated with, and we need to find our own system of service. And that's such a good point about any discipline because it's so easy for any discipline to become a law that we think is either imposed yeah. upon us or that we should impose upon ourselves. Yeah. Whereas disciplines are really just tools to help us and we don't have to be locked into this, but see it as a way to 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 help us do what we want to do, which is flourish and love God and others. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, seeing how disciplines can be modified so they fit well uh, in, in, in ways that help us. Exactly. Well, Martinez, as we draw to a close, is there anything else you want to make sure we touch on in this book, especially as it might relate to undergraduate students and research papers? Maybe doing research is not just a focus that is disconnected with the rest of our lives. Hmm. Doing research is something that should be part of who we are and who we become as disciples of Jesus Christ. Mm. And um, sometimes he calls us to research something that we did not think about. Yeah, Let's be open to his leading and to the leading of the Holy Spirit to move in the areas that may be less comfortable, but that are needed. And the Lord will open our eyes to see the the white fields somewhere where, did, where we didn't expect them to be. Mm-hmm. Good point. Well, very helpful, Martine. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me and share your wisdom and some of uh, the things you've learned all these years as you've helped folks in their in their research and their journey to see that as worship. Well, it's work in process for all of us. <laughs> it sure is. Sure is. That brings us to the end of this edition of the College Faith Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this conversation at the intersection of Christian conviction and higher education. Be sure to check out today's show notes at collegefaith.net slash podcasts, where you can find more information and links to the resources we discussed. If you found this podcast helpful, please help spread the word by liking my College Faith Facebook page at facebook.com slash college faith and pass this show on to others who may enjoy hearing our conversation. Please do visit our sponsor, Global Scholars, to help equip Christian professors to be salt and light for Christ on their campuses. Until next time, this is Stan Wallace encouraging you to love the Lord your God with both heart and mind during the university years and beyond.